to Saint City Dreamers. Each week we talk to interesting people who are living their dreams. They found their passion and they are making the jump from thinking about it to actually doing it. Life is short and we believe everyone should dream big. So let's dive right in to this week's episode. What's up, St. City Dreamers? We are in the Fox Park area of St. Louis at Narrative Furniture. It is a gorgeous showroom with, as you can hear, an echo, echo, echo. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful showroom with beautiful woodwork. We're gonna talk about wood. We're gonna talk about handmade. We're gonna talk about this area, the Fox Park area of St. Louis. Uh, but without further ado, I'm here with my new friend, Andy Kim, he is the CEO, the founder, the owner of Narrative Furniture. Say hello to the people, Andy. How's it going, people? Good to meet you, Dustin. Nice to meet you too, man. And we are in this gorgeous building. I'm sure it has some historic significance, uh, and I'm sure we're going to get to that. But first, before we get started, you are a furniture maker, but your goal is more than furniture. Well, let me back that up a little bit. I'm not a furniture maker. Uh, you know, my background is really in startup. So uh, Narrative Furniture is one of the companies that are under our management. Um, and so I do all the design work at the moment. Uh, we have a great team of woodworkers huh? that actually build uh, what, what, what I get to kind of sketch down. Okay, cool. So once in a while I'll go down to the shop when I get frustrated in my office and I'll ask them if I can be a part of sanding or whatever. But I, I can't take So you're the designer. You're the, yeah. you, you're the, you see the vision, you're the visionary of the yeah. pieces before they come out. Yeah. But it's more, so, so you are, are, you've got a team, you've assembled, yeah. uh, you're a starter, yeah. which this is what this web, or this podcast is all about. Uh, and your, um, your background then is design. It's, is that right? It's not either. What's your, you are a man of mystery, Andy Kim. No, I, you know, I think anyone that's part of a startup understands that like we do whatever needs to be done, mm -hmm. right? So uh, sometimes for a season, that's for right now, it's design, you know? Uh, before that, it was really business planning. Before that, it was market research. Before, you know what I'm saying? So, so even the brand of narrative furniture had to be created. Uh, and that's what was really uh, engaging and that's what I really was involved with from the very beginning. But um, eventually, we'll have to get some technicians, real guys that are skilled in design and uh, engineering uh, to kind of fill the void that is me. Uh, but with any startup, you know, the startup guys do everything. So that's what I had to do. Uh, that's what I have done. So, yeah. so what did you start with? Like, what was your first startup? Was this it? Yeah, well, so the context and the framework, I think, has to be explained. So I'm the managing director of Barcelona Financial Foundation, which is a foundation that exists to operate as a fund that invests into startup for-profit companies in areas of great need. And so uh, one of our first projects was a poultry processing plant in South India. It's the first fully hygienic automated system uh, imported from South Korea 
utilizing their technology. Uh, we have a capacity of 24,000 birds a day. We employ about 138 people, and we supply the local Chennai area with a hygienic, uh, sanitary poultry product. Uh, so that was one of our projects. We have another project in an egg laying production company in North Africa. Uh, I'm currently looking at doing business in Burma, uh, Myanmar. And so the idea is really, uh, it started out overseas. We wanted to look at these emerging markets and see how can we be a blessing, how can we help the community there through business. And it takes a long time to queue up this project. Sometimes it can take 16 to 18 months just to have access to these markets. Uh, and so I looked here in our backyard of St. Louis and said, there's a lot of here. We can do some interesting things here. And you know, as a transplant uh, to St. Louis, uh, I've been here only three years, but I was really struck by the manufacturing roots of this town. Corvettes were built here, Carter Car Breeders were here, you know, St. Louis Bricks built cities, mm. not just here, but in Chicago. It's like, wow, that's, some of that is kind of coming gone, but I wanted to build on that heritage, I wanted to build on that story. Uh, and say, let's, let's start something here. I've always loved furniture, uh, I've always kind of had an eye for it. Um, I said, man, I've always wanted to start a furniture company, let's start with that. Mm. So St. Louis was like a, a great place that that could happen, and it was viable. Uh, and so, so we started furniture uh, building and design here. Uh, we also have a commercial cleaning company called Wall Street Cleaning. We clean about 800,000 square feet at the moment. And each of these businesses, we are really intentional about engaging communities that are often overlooked. Uh, and so, why is that? Why is that? Why is that important to you? Because I think it's a part of my own story. I mean, my parents were immigrants from Korea. Uh, came in the late seventies, early eighties. This country uh, landed in LA, and you know, my dad, being an intellectual and highly educated, came here. Nobody cared. His degrees and credentials weren't transferable here, yeah. and so. You know, my dad was in a daily you know, doing hard manual labor when he first came to this country with nothing in his pocket. You know, kind of that American dream story. Sure. And then realized one day after a couple of years of really hard work, he said, man, if I continue to do this, I won't last. So he started his own company. Um, went into business and did development and uh, construction and, and all of that. And uh, he, through his hard work, sacrifice, and real foresight and vision for our family, I was able to um, kind of pursue my dreams, right? So, um, and that's where a lot of our employees are at. Right? So, I got one guy, he's our shop manager from Baghdad, civil engineer, 17 years of experience. Uh, worked for a telecommunication company called Orscom, the largest Egyptian telecommunication company that kind of focuses on hostile markets maybe, you know, ran a team of dozens of people, comes to this country, nobody cares, right? Brilliant guy. You know, one of my other guys from Afghanistan speaks nine languages. So, you know, guys like that, that have so much to offer, but it's not conventional, right? It's not the step one college, step two graduate, step three, you know, 
get a job. It's not linear. Like mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really fluid, and so I love finding talent in uncommon places and working to provide a place for them to thrive and utilizing their skill sets and their abilities and matching it up with what we need as a company and as a business. And in that way, I think it's a real partnership. Um, and so even where we are right now in Fox Park, you know, we looked at buildings all over St. Louis, but we landed here because it was so accessible to the refugee community that we wanted to engage with. And uh, it's literally uh, two buses away. It takes my guys 15 minutes to get to work in the morning, which is great. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're in Fox Park. Um, because we wanted to be a blessing to this community as well. You know, so you got like little kids walking by right now with our, you know, 10 foot glass storefront looking at, you know, art that a local artist did for us, you know? And it's, yeah. just, it's just cool. Um, you know, people ask me sometimes, like, oh, Gene, are you going to board up those windows? I'm like, no. Are you going to put, like, wrought iron, you know, you know, whatever they're called, uh, on our windows? I'm like, no. Like, we want, we want our community to be proud of it, you know? So. That's awesome. Yeah. So when, I mean, so you, you, you've got the, you've got a history of entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial spirit in your family with your father, yeah. um, and and that was out of necessity. It yes. sounds like I mean he just yes. like you said he just said like I can't do this forever. That's My body right. won't be able to take it. So he started to use his mind. He engaged his mind and, and figured out ways that he could continue to provide for the family. Matter of fact, probably better than he was doing before. Um, through through that he made the jump and uh, through entrepreneurial endeavors. And so you saw him do that. You saw him succeed. Where does where does that come from you though? I mean, obviously, you know, he gave you a leg up, uh, probably with school and whatnot, right? But but where does that come from for you? I mean, how? how I mean, you, you may have gone to school and gotten a, a fine degree at a fine prestigious university, uh, and then just went and worked for the man like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think for me, in some ways, I still work for the man, right? But my man is different than other men. Yes. Um, like I believe that we all have like a purpose in life. That I, I, I am a firm believer that we were created for something other than our own gratification or whatever. And I think a fulfilling life is finding causes and calls that are profound. Me, it's really been how do I impact the lives of those around me, and uh, and how do I kind of steward those relationships? And so, you know, I really believe that business is a catalyst and can be a catalyst to a lot of good. And uh, it's through business that I think a lot of impact can be made on a small scale in the lives of our employees, and then also the ripple effect in their families and in our community, in our neighborhood, in our St. Louis area, you know? And so uh, I think if we can really do the small things well, that it can have a larger impact. Um, and so I, I'm driven by that. Uh, but where does that come from? Because, I mean, most entrepreneurs are driven by dollars 
and Audis and penthouse, <laughs> penthouses. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, what you're saying to me is that you're 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 creating for-profit companies to benefit the lives of the people that not only that you know create stories around the kitchen table, um, they, because they purchased one from you, but the lives uh, uh, around the kitchen table of the people that that. They might not even, they work here, they make the tables, but they might not even have one of these. They might have a table from Ikea, right? right. So, but you, you're, where does that come from? I mean, most people want to make cheddar yeah. and you want to make people's lives better. So here's the thing, I think those are not mutually exclusive. I think you can make money and make meaning at the same time. And the guy that said that is Kai Kawasaki. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, so the idea is if we, if we set out to make meaning, most likely, we will make money. Because it, it kind of draws from something that's more profound and maybe deeper than just something like money. So a lot of times people chase money, they never make money, they never make meaning. And, you know, it's interesting, when I moved and transplanted here from LA, I was telling my dad about what I do, and what I'm going to be doing. And he goes, it just sounds like good business. So for him, it's just really simple. Like you take care of your guys because they take care of you. Like, yeah, but you do more than take care of your guys. That's just, that's the Southwest Airlines approach, right? The trickle down, like yeah. like the management yeah. takes care of the middle management. Yeah. Middle management cares about the employees, and then the employees take really good care of the customers, right? But what you're talking about is going and finding people who have skill sets, or maybe they don't even have this skill set, but they can speak nine languages, and because you realize that this dude can speak nine languages, he's gonna be able to use a planer, right? Like I'm gonna be, you know, and so where does that come from? Like to actually like seek out the people that have been looked over. I I mean, I hear you say it's from your family, but it's just from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it's like, yo. Yeah, I think that's where like my worldview really comes into place. I am a person of faith. Get it. And I believe that the larger story is that is that because I've been given opportunities that I probably didn't deserve, well actually I know for sure I didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, because who's to say, I mean, if my dad didn't make that jump, he couldn't provide for us the way that he did, like I wouldn't be right now. Right. What did I do for that? Right. Nothing. Yeah. So when we get gifts that we are undeserving of, uh, I think we're compelled to do that for others. And it's a responsibility thing, right? So if we're given all these opportunities and these, these blessings, and we just hoard it ourselves, like that's not a fulfilling life mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Like, it's fulfilling when we are able to capitalize on it, when we're able to utilize it, and then give that back and give other people the opportunities that we've never, that we've gotten, and so that they can thrive and they can flourish. And I, 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 think, I think that's what makes life meaningful. You know what I'm saying? Like, cars, great, I love them, yeah. you know? Like, stuff, fine, whatever. But there's a lot more to draw meaning from than just those things. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, 
you know, the stuff is stuff and it's, it doesn't, it, it, it can never fulfill you. Usually what fulfills you for the moment is the purchasing of the stuff, the pursuit of the thing, whatever that is. Then you get it and then it's really fun for a week. And then, or maybe if it's a car or a house, maybe six months, you know, and then you're like, okay, but, but pouring into other people's lives and helping them fulfill some of their dreams. Uh, I mean, that memory will never go away. I mean, the thing that you help someone do, you know, and watch them grow and, th and survive and thrive, is a, it's a cool thing, man. So, I mean, here's, here's like a Casey Point story. You know, I did an interview with St. Louis Live uh, a few months back, and I talked about one of our employees who was a civil engineer and left his home in Baghdad. And the real kind of aha moment for him was when his driver called him and said, hey, come and pick up your son because I can't drive because there's landmines here. He had to go and get his son. And on that day, he promised his son that he would never put him in that position again. So he sold everything they had and moved to Jordan, fled to Jordan as a refugee. Blew through savings because you can't work as a refugee in Jordan. And, and, and landed in Boston. So I talked about that story. I'm not going to use his name, but I talked about those are the quality of guys that are working with us. Uh, he showed that interview with his family and his son. Uh, he's so bright. Uh, started tearing up. And he went to his dad and gave him a big hug. And he emails me later and said, I've never been able to express to my son what we went through for him. And he said, but you shared our story in such a beautiful way. Like, thank you. And it's his story. It's not my story. Right? But because it's his story, it's become a part of our company's story. And it's not just about Andy who came from here and now is doing this. It's not about that. It's about kind of narrative is about who we are together. Mm -hmm. And I, I really love that. I, I find a lot of satisfaction in that. You know? And so um, those, things are, those things are meaningful and they're special. Well, I, can, I mean, I can honestly say that this is the first time that we've had an interview where somebody talks about meaning and money, right? I mean, I talk to people whose dream is to be, um, to run, uh, you know, nonprofits yeah. and how much help they do and how much they dive into the community and help the community. But, but to have, it, it feels like a lot of times it's mutually been, uh, exclusive, right? It feels like you can't make money and take nice vacations right. and fly to cool places and also help people. Yeah, that's crazy. But it, don't you think that though? Oh, sure. Isn't that the way that this is all set I up? I think that's why like people are so divided in their mindsets, you know? Because you know, people that are unethical in business are unethical with charity, right? Yeah. Like, that's a character issue. Sure. They hoard that money. That's they right. stack it up in the safe. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I, I won't give back. I'll give back when I make it. Right. I'll tell you one thing right now. Like, if you can't 
give back when you have nothing and you have little. You're never going to give back when you have a lot. It's, it's, it's just not, it's a character thing, you know? Like, you know, how touching is it that, you know, the intern or the kid making no money is so compelled that he gives half of what he has. Yeah, it's a bigger impact than when oh, for sure. the millionaire gives for sure a thousand dollars. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean it's totally different. So I think and that story, that story is that's a biblical story. Yeah, yeah, because it's 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 about that lady who has nothing and she gives it all. Mm -hmm. Like oh, and you know Jesus in the Bible looks at that and says, dude, she she got it. Yeah, she gave more than she, all. She she gets it. Yeah, you know, and I think that's cool. So for me, it's okay. Like if I'm if I'm being a good steward of what's been given to me now, then man, maybe I can handle more later. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's cool, dude. I think. And that 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 theme runs through the Bible as yeah. well. We're, we're not gonna get all. Yeah. We're not gonna. No. This is the, we're not. Not that we can't because no. we can't because this is my podcast and I do what I want. <laughs> but. Yeah, but it, yeah. that does. That theme yeah. runs through the Bible as well. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really interested in not. I want to I build solid businesses. I want to build companies that are strong. Yeah. You know, uh, I have no interest in following trends or chasing them. Kind of yeah. pop up businesses that right. are there for two years and then they make tons of cash and they exit. So you're, are you the principal in all, the, all of your... I'm not. So, you know, I've got a couple of my own kind of personal projects that I work on, um, which are fun. But um, the foundation is the fund. And we have one principal fund. Um, and he's a local businessman named Paul Larson. That's amazing. And he's really committed to this idea. And he's given uh, my partner, John Peters, and I the freedom the space to explore what that looks like. And, uh, yeah, he's killer. That's amazing. Great guy. Uh, so did you go to him with the pitch, or did he come to you? Yeah, so the, he, he had this idea of, man, how do we do more in communities through business? Because he's a business guy. And so I came out, I've known that family for 14 years. Mm. So so family, you're, he's why you're here. Yeah, so his younger brother and I were talking about so when they started dreaming about this idea, uh, they called me and said, hey, you know, it was perfect timing because I was like, man, why don't I go and kind of consult for you guys and flesh this out a little bit, real ground level stuff, you know. And then I was out here for three weeks doing that with them. And then uh, the morning of my flight, Paul and I sit down and goes, you know, let's see, what's it going to take to get to you? shape this with my partner John Peters. Um, I was like, yeah, that's let's, right. Let's explore this. That's know? cool. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I came to St. Louis. And it's, gosh, it's been like five or three years. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's neat to see people. See, I, I talk about this all the time. Actually, um, is people that that have a platform, mm -hmm. and so that platform might yeah. be fame, yeah. that platform might be yeah. money, yeah. 
um, that it doesn't matter what it is, but right. but, but how do you use your platform? Right. And if you're just if you're a brand new startup, you know maybe maybe you don't have the big brick and mortar like right. narrative. Right. Maybe you have a little online business, um, but but it's it's important to remember that everybody is a leader and right. s someone yeah. is watching yeah. you, and everybody is a follower. Mm -hmm. We follow somebody, we lead, and we lead somebody, right. and 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 how we do that is really important yeah. like how we carry ourselves yeah. and and it, if, if you're at a place like this and you're narrative furniture and you've got the brick and mortar or you've got a small online business sure. and you're and you're thinking about things that actually matter right. not just how much how many sales that i have how many right. how many widgets that i sell today um and did you know did those widgets make people's lives better i mean my wife and i are big uh fair trade yeah. you know clothing we sure. buy a lot of clothing yeah. from you know, we, we either goodwill. I mean, we spend. Yeah. We, you know, we we, uh, we we rate all the. You know, the clothing companies are rated yeah. based on you know how much slave labor it took right, to produce right, right, whatever. Right. We don't. We only buy chocolate from right. very specific right. vendors, and it's very expensive sometimes. Yeah, sure. And sometimes it stinks. Yeah. Last night we had s'mores with my right. two kids with a right. fire. Three dollar bar of chocolate, right? Wow. Instead of a fifty nine cent Hershey right. bar, but right. nobody had right. to bleed, so that I could eat that chocolate. So You're I can enjoy that flavor. You know, and then, and that's the thing, like, I think, you know, I, I, I said this in an article in St. Louis Magazine, is love is really inconvenient. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, to, to doing things right, often, it takes more time, it takes more energy, it takes more, more money, it takes, it takes more to do things right. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, if you do things wrong, you're going to pay for it. You pay for it either way. Either way. So right. Do you want to pay for it now or do you want to pay for it later? Right. You know? And do you want to pay for it with and still retain your honor? That's right. Right? So I think that's like a really, I think that's a really cool concept. Like, it doesn't matter what role you have, like, honor, integrity, trustworthiness. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, those are like universal traits. That I think resonate with yeah. everyone says, dude, that's a good thing. Absolutely. You know? Well, we resonate with the hero in stories and sure. movies and in film because right. most of the time, not all the time, right. but most of the time, they are the good guy. That's right. And they're making good choices, moral right. decisions. That's right. And then we, and I don't want to get into this right now, but then we look at our politics. Yeah. And I don't know very many people that are happy with yeah. any of the candidates. Yeah. Okay? And why is that? I mean, are, you know, they're not the hero of the story. They're just trying to get what's theirs, you know, grab. It's, it's, it's grabs for power and fame. Yeah. And, and then we're all just left going, huh. Oh. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, then, and that's the thing. Like, I think when, when we can elevate people to the place where they are their own hero, or the hero in their own story, uh, that's a great thing. For our guys, I mean, they're heroes to their kids. Absolutely. You know, just like my dad is a hero of mine. You know, yeah. it's what an incredible opportunity that is to be, and what a what a sense of responsibility that is. But what's also beautiful about that is, I mean, you, your dad and my and my dad would have probably. I mean, I have a different story, so I didn't. I don't know my dad, but. But, but your, in your situation, he would have been your hero, even if he would have maintained the manual labor job. Sure. 
That's you know, and so, but what's beautiful about the story with these guys is that not only are they going to be their kid's hero, but they have something, they have a, That's uh, they have an art they can yeah. pass down to yeah, their yeah, kids, yeah, yeah. not the table, right. but how to do right. it. That's so, cool, man. So, I, so furniture is really fascinating. And as I'm in this business and I'm around it a lot more and more now, um, it's a really honest craft because if you're lazy, the wood will show. Mm. So if you try to, I don't know how to take this. So wood is, is really durable. It's not like a porcelain doll, right? It can take a baby, because it does. But at the same time, there's like a fragility to wood. Where uh, if you take shortcuts in the finished product, you will see it. You will feel it. And so, you know, people that skip out on the sanding process, right? And they, you know, we start everything with 60 grit, 80 grit, 110, 130, 150, 180, 220. Right. Like, you skip around that, yeah. you'll, you'll feel it eventually, huh. you know? So, uh, you just hit it with the poly gun, like hard. Yeah. It's got an inch. Like, yeah, inch. <laughs> feel the grain, you just feel chemicals, right? You feel the finish. Um, and so, like our guys, it's really interesting. Like, they'll look at a piece and be like, there's a real deep sense of satisfaction. Because they know, even though the public will never know, they know what it took to get to that end product. Uh, and they can stand on that. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, being proud of your work is important too. So I think that's, that's a really So how long does a average, maybe uh, average, and then none of this stuff is average, yeah. that was the wrong word, yeah. but a but you, you have pieces that are uh, production yeah. pieces, how, how long does a, a, the, the large kitchen table take, so man hours? medium dining I didn't know that. Yeah, there's, you know, FAS1, FAS2, you know, it's kind of like A, B, C, D mm -hmm. quality. Um, but, for example, like walnut, it's really hard to grade. So people will say it's like quality A, for example, like A grade. But when we get it in, there's like sapwood, the color is off, it's not rich, it's not, you know, there's, there's less hardwood. And, and so it took us a long time to find one supplier, it's about 30% more hmm. than others, but the quality of it is spot on, it's consistent, it's straight, it's not, it's not twisted, uh, and so like working with really good raw materials will help you get a really good end product. Right, makes sense. Because if you're working with junk, you yeah. can't polish junk enough to make it. Garbage in, garbage out, right. right, yeah. So like that's that's a really big thing for us is we want to work with the best quality products, materials, so that, and this is a really competitive business, you know, the market for 
insane. And most people are looking for cheap. That's right. They're not looking for... But see, I think, I think Dustin, like people now, right? Like, look at your, your leather wallet. Yeah. It's well made. That's uh, Jose from Smiths and Kings, episode one. Check it out. <laughs> Shout out. Like, it's really well made, right? Yeah. Like, it's not a throwaway piece. Like, you can use that for a long time. Yeah, right. And so I think people now are beginning to realize the value of real craftsmanship. Like, like art. Yeah. And I think I think you're right. I mean, it's coming back to where people sure. want to own something, right. um, like um, you know, a, a Stanley um, thermos. Yeah. You know, yeah. they they just put out a thing about a fire. There was a fire, and someone's house burnt to the ground. And when they went back to try to pick through whatever they could get, the only thing that was remained was this wow. this, this this thermos. Um, and, that, and that's cool. I mean, you 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 know, you were talking talk, telling me about your mid-century desk. I mean, you're going to pass that on. Absolutely. You know, like one of your kids yeah. are probably going to have to fight over it. Yeah. But the thing that's cool about that is they're going to remember you working late hours, late into the night on that desk, trying to figure out how to pay for their college and braces and whatever else. Yeah. And my dad has an oak desk that is that for me, you know? So furniture has this like really interesting quality that it takes on the human attributes. Uh, that remember, it's like a great song. Right? Yeah. Like you remember the, the song that you had your first makeout session. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It just brings back these floods of memories. Yeah. I think furniture does that. So we want to build furniture that'll last. And, uh, well, it becomes a character in the story of your life. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Because yeah. you, remember, you remember conversations around dining room tables. Well, what, what you also remember, too, is when you see a photo yeah. years later yeah, 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 of, a, of something, and you're, it's of your grandpa. That's right. It's not of the... the right. I just saw one, dude. You're not, I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. My grandparents had this big rocker. It had this green velour... I don't, I don't even know what it was. Uh, it, it was. I don't know what it was. But, but on the hands, where you would rest your hands, were these lion's heads with its mouth open. Wow. And I just saw a picture recently wow. of my grandfather sitting in it, and I went... Oh, I like I had totally forgot about that chair, but the moment I saw that photo, just floods of memory That's right. came back in of me rocking, you know, That's trying right. to flip it, but it was so heavy That's you couldn't right. do it, and, That's right. and and sitting in his lap, and so yeah. yeah. I think I think I think that's you know like the person. So the the person that's maybe looking for a table at a lower end retailer is probably not a customer. But really strategically, uh, the business model that we are implementing, we are plus and minus 10% of great So, hmm. very strategically. Right. So, you, you can get handmade, uh, solid, premium hardwood constructed furniture for the price of something that may be imported or maybe, or maybe not. Right. And so, I mean, no knock on those retailers. I mean, I think they've done a phenomenal job of building a sizable business. But uh, I think that those consumers that are looking for something that they can be proud of, and, and you know, it's like a great pair of boots, right? Like, you're going to spend some money up front. But 
you'll never have to buy another pair of boots. Why? Because you can resole them. Right. Right? They're not glued on like some stuff that you can get for a lot cheaper. Right. Like a dining table, like after 15 years or 20 years of use, like you can strip that thing down, put another finish on it, and it's back to new. Right. Right? So that's how many awesome. years can you... I mean, that. I think that's the cool thing. Yeah. You know? And, you know, each piece of furniture has its own routine. And, you know, I love vintage things. That's one of the things I'm really into. Um, from cars to watches to whatever. Like, I love vintage furniture. It's just like, oh. Right. That imperfection, I love that. That's right. Because someone wore them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's a military watch back in World War II. And that's, that's gone through some really tough things. Yeah. And it's come out, you know. So I love That's that. cool, yeah. That's, I mean, it's a cool way to think about it. I think a lot of people don't pay it any mind. They go, I need a, I need a place to eat. Yeah. And it needs to be a certain size. Yeah because I've got four people in the family, whatever it is, right? They, they lay out those parameters and then they go and find the thing that suits their needs as opposed to, you know, thinking through, you know, something that's going to last, you know, or something that, that's going to mean something, you know? And this is why St. Louis is like an exciting place to be right now. Oh, I totally agree. Because you've got some people that are thinking along these lines, you know, everything from coffee to food to, you know, furniture to leather goods to, I mean, there's some, there's some guys that are doing really interesting things. And so we, you know, we want to be a part of that and we want to kind of push that forward. And, right. um, you know, a lot of those guys have become friends. That's and, cool. Um, you know, we want to encourage them because good for them, good for us. Absolutely, man. So... So we ask the same questions at the end of every yeah. podcast. We've run our time, unfortunately. Uh, we actually went over, but this has been oh, so sorry. good. No, this has been, don't be sorry. This is so good, and I think people need to hear this. Uh, I, we didn't talk about any of the questions I had on my yeah. list, but because, I mean, what we were talking about had so much more meaning. Yeah. So I'm so glad that we went there. Um, so, but we will ask these questions. So what did you want to do when you were a kid? Who did you want to be? It's okay to say the Incredible Hulk, if that's who. He never appealed to me. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe a lawyer or something like that, because I just thought they were so slick when I was young. It's like, whoa, you know, think of like a greasy, like, you know, mergers and acquisition, you know, lawyer. It's like, oh yeah, that guy. Or a <laughs> like Jack. I was like, yeah. That's what's that's up. That's cool. 